welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I am wicked excited to be reintroducing and reissuing, I guess you could say, this podcast episode. So this episode 16, let's talk about drinking. Man, this sucker, when it first came out in 2019, it stirred up some things for some people. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But there's a few reasons why I wanted to reissue it now. It's the time, timely reasons why. Three of them, actually. Number one, as you can probably tell from the sound of my voice, I do not sound like myself. <laughs> That's because... Uh, my body has been recovering and healing. I've been I've been sick. I've been under the weather, and I'm um, trying to trying to bounce back like a champ. But that requires me to actually rest. So um, I figured, okay, what's an episode that I can reshare with people that feels really good, is important and impactful. And there was, uh, I got a list of them actually, to be honest with you, but something else that happened made me choose this one. And uh, so we're going to get to the next two reasons why I'm reissuing this. Number two is that I was recently talking to a friend of mine uh, and this friend of mine um, is also in the entrepreneur space, but she's also incredibly creative. But one of the things that she is that I'm not isn't is that she's a mom of human kids. And she was talking about how so many of the other families, other people, um, women and stuff that she's been talking to that have been kind of going through this whole pandemic situation. And as, as the collective of people are starting to move more and more, it seems like back out into the world, that there's this kind of joke that's been going around uh, and that she's heard it multiple times. And people have been, it's more like a phrase or a statement, but what people have been saying is, man, now that we're kind of leaving our houses and going back out into the world, I'm not sure if I should go to AA or Weight Watchers first. <laughs> Toby Pajamas, you guys can hear Toby. Oh my God, hold on, he wants to be picked up. All right, buddy. So people have been saying, I don't know if I should go to AA or Weight Watchers first. Like that's, that's funny to them. And you know, I, I can just say from also talking to people and seeing people and hearing about, you know, what's been going on that for a lot of people, there has been, you know, a little extra maybe um, drinking or little nightly habits that, you know, things that start off as what some people might say is innocently enough, right? Like, oh, just tonight at five or justifying saying, oh, it's been a long day or whatever. But somehow I've been, you know, I've been listening to how somehow for a lot of people, alcohol has been sneakily showing up in their lives as a pattern or a habit or a behavior that now they're finding it's a little bit harder to break, that it was a way of self-soothing or comforting or rewarding or whatever. And I thought, oh, you know what? I should, I should put, this, put this episode back out into the world. So that was kind of the inspiration uh, number two. And then number three is, as I was thinking back on this episode, I remember when it first came out, like I got a shit ton of feedback. It was one of those episodes that um, pushed a lot of buttons, inspired a lot of uh, conversations and for people to directly reach out to me and share their thoughts about it. And there were a ton of people who loved the episode. There were a ton of people who said, that it really got them thinking and it got them self-reflecting and it got them looking at things. And then also kind of looking at the culture at large and, and how the, you know, how, our, <coughs> excuse me, how, our, how we've been sold this idea about alcohol, uh, liquor and drinking and, and booze, right? Um, 
And then there was a third subset of people. And what I heard from them, from many of them, is that I'm just going to be honest with you, KK. I'm avoiding listening to this episode. Several people also said to me, um, I'm just not ready yet to listen to this episode. And then I remember one person being incredibly vulnerable and honest, and they said, I'm not ready to listen to this episode yet because if I do, I might have to do something differently or change something about what I'm currently doing. And they weren't yet ready, willing, or able to do that, or they didn't want to, right? Whatever. I'm not, this is one thing I want to say about this episode is that it's not an episode about judgment. It's an episode about just kind of looking at things uh, from a different point of view and just talking about my relationship with alcohol and where, um, where it began and where it went and uh, then the choices that I made. Um, so I hope it's helpful to you guys in some way. I hope that you enjoy it. And if you're somebody who wasn't ready to hear it before, maybe you're ready to listen to it now. And I consider all of my episodes like little love letters from my heart to yours. So hopefully this is going to land. And if you already listened to it once, maybe you're going to pick up something new. That's one of the most powerful things too about going back, even think about when you, you know, go back and watch a favorite movie or a favorite whatever. Sometimes you do it because um, you're different now and you're going to get something different from it. Sometimes you go back and we listen to things because it's comforting to us to know that we're not alone or you know what's coming or like whatever. I, I, I don't think anybody's listened to this episode enough times to feel like, oh, I already know what she's going to say. But I do know that um, every time that I go back and read a book or I go back and do something, um, I'm different than the time before. So I'm usually more able to learn more, hear more, get more, understand more, <laughs> receive more, you know, and it can be a very powerful thing. So I hope that's uh, at least some of yours is, ex yours is, 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 is that a word? Uh, experience with the re-release of episode 16, Let's Talk About Drinking. Um, and if, you know, if you're somebody out there who listens to this and you find that you do need help with it, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I was talking to my friend, one of my friends who is in, who is sober, who is, um, in a program, you know, works a program. I said, what, what do you call people like me who just choose not to drink? Like I, I'm not in AA. I have been to Al-Anon because I, um, throughout my lifetime, I, I've met many people and have been involved with people who grew up with, you know what I'm saying? People who alcohol was a problem for them. And I wanted to understand not only them better, but myself in relation to them better and how um, it all affected me and shaped me and molded me as well. Uh, but I, I have not had a quote unquote, as they would say, you know, problem with alcohol. But I did make a choice to, to stop drinking. So I'm a, I don't know what they call us, abstainers, non-drinkers, like whatever. <laughs> I just say I'm a non-drink, I don't drink. Um, but hopefully, um, wherever you are on this journey, if you are finding, though, that you're somebody who does have a problem, know that there's help out there. And there's plenty of people uh, who are willing to support you and listen to you and that you can do it and it doesn't cost any money. It just costs, um, it just costs, the ego cost, the ego cost is just willing that uh, you are now powerless and that alcohol has kind of, you know, is doing its dance with you and that you need help. That's the biggest thing is accepting that I might need help and just know that it's out there. All right, you guys, I, I love you and I appreciate you and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to go rest now. Bye. Hey, you guys. Okay. So let's get real. <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of like call this episode, uh, let's see, episode 16 of the Karen Kenny show. We're going to have ourselves a little conversation about booze. We're going to talk about drinking. We're going to dive into uh, what, what, what the culture is out there right now around alcohol, wine, beer, bars. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have ourselves an adult chat. <laughs> about what's going down about about drinking and the pressure to drink or not drink or whatever the stuff is and this has been something that's been on my mind because I have a lot of friends in my life who are either 
uh, what's the new term, uh, quote unquote, sober curious, or they're uh, working on staying sober or getting sober. And it's just been kind of in um, my uh, atmosphere. And then also, um, I just came from teaching um, as a guest, you know, a guest teacher at an event this past weekend. And I ended up having this conversation with one of the fellow teachers. Uh, it was uh, after the event during the day when I had spoken and we were hanging out like in the bar area of the hotel afterwards and she got a glass of wine and um, I wasn't drinking. And then just a conversation of, of how we were raised and, and what it was like growing up in our particular families and like the role that booze played and, and how people respond when they find out I don't drink and like all this stuff. So this has just been a conversation that's been heavy on my mind. And I think it's a timely topic. I see a lot of it also popping up uh, on my particular feed, um, like on social media and stuff like that, like people that I know who are talking about this. And I just figured, look, I've, I've got something to say about this and I'm going to share. And hopefully I can do it from um, a fresh perspective or at least just from my, my perspective. And one of the things I want to be really clear about is um, this is a conversation. This is me just kind of sharing. Well, maybe it's not typically like a conversation in this first part because I'm just kind of talking towards you <laughs> or at you from the screen or right in your earbuds. Um, but I do want to hear what your thoughts are about this um, episode and what it turns up for you or what arises or the aha, the feedback. Um, so this is just me sharing. I need to be wicked clear. This is not me judging anybody. If you choose to drink, you're a grown ass adult. Like, great. That's your choice. Whatever. I'm not here judging you if you still drink. I'm not sitting here condemning anybody. But I did just want to have an adult, honest conversation about what I see going on. So most of you are probably at home uh, listening to this, like in your earbuds. Maybe you're sitting in your kitchen or in the car or whatever you're doing. But some of you, I know there's a handful of you that actually watch this show. And normally when um, I do these episodes, um, I don't like have notes or anything like that. I just free wing it, free wheel it, whatever comes through. I trust my spiritual team to drop the knowledge into my head. You know, this is a prayer on A Course in Miracles that says, I am here only to be truly helpful. I don't have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will tell me. Um, and I'm happy to go wherever he has me go, basically, right? And so that, that's it. That's how I normally roll. Um, but I've been getting lately, and I said this at the, at the retreat that I just taught at too, the instructions at the retreat were take notes. And this was also the instructions for this um, particular episode of the Karen Kenny show, because it's too important for me to just wing it. Um, this is, and, and, and trust me, usually when I'm winging it, it's because I'm feeling really grounded in the content. Um, and I feel really comfortable talking about this, but you guys, it's wicked important to me that this is valuable and then it serves you. And I didn't want to forget that the, the the particular things that I wanted to say. So if you're viewing this, um, you're going to see me uh, unlikely, unlike me having some notes and some pieces of paper because I didn't want to forget. So, so that was my first and foremost thing is to just share that this is me just talking to you. It's not me judging you or condemning you. So don't get your panties in a bunch. Uh, even though I'm wicked happy giving spiritual wedgies, <laughs> uh, I, I, I just want, I want to be clear about that because when you're in a defensive position, when your fucking dukes are up, you're not actually learnable, as I like to say, or teachable, right? You're just defending your stance because you think you're being judged. So I want you to just ask everybody to try to approach this episode with curiosity rather than judgment. Just, just know that I love you. Just know that I'm sharing some thoughts and you don't have to get weird uh, or get a stick up your ass, as we like to say about it. <laughs> All right. So here's what I want to say. I, I have these like titles that I'm going to say. So here's, here's the first headline. I used to drink and now I don't. <laughs> I used to drink quite a bit. The first time that I got drunk, those of you who know, right? Those of you who know me know my mother was murdered when I was 12 and it was a shit storm. Uh, like my childhood was just kind of a shit storm. Uh, and I always say I'm really grateful for it for a lot of different reasons, but that's just the truth. My, my childhood was, was pretty traumatic and it was intense. So my mother died when I was 12. And so it's not a big surprise that it was also the first time that I got drunk. And I got drunk with my, with my, my sister, Pam. <laughs> We were two kids left uh, unattended, no supervision on a weekend. We found a way to, to pool our money and we got somebody to buy us uh, Mad Dog 2020. 
If any of you know what that is, it's like ghetto wine. It is like really high alcohol content, wicked cheap, grape flavored, quote unquote, grape flavored like alcohol. And uh, I got so fucking sick. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you the first time I drank, I got so drunk, but it didn't stop me. Okay. It didn't stop me. Uh, and, I, and I like to preface this by saying, you know, I... Um, I got, and, and call it whatever you want, I got lucky in this lifetime. I did not get what I, what I call the addiction gene. I, I was somebody who could partake in uh, bad habits for long periods of time, and then I have a very strong mind and a strong will, and, and I'm not saying that those, like I'm not making any commentary about people who have um, dependency on alcohol or drugs or anything like that. I'm just speaking from my experience. I was able to, even with cigarettes, I could smoke a pack of cigarettes for a year every single day, and then when I decided I was done, I was done. It was the same with drinking. I did have a lot of experimenting with drinking, with alcohol, with drugs, uh, with pot, with cocaine, with mescaline. Like, I just did it all, all right? I used to do it all, and now I don't do any of it. I just want to be clear that my point of view and experience comes from personal experience. I'm not some pious asshole who's just sitting there saying, I never drank, and you shouldn't either. No, I was in it. Like, I was in it. I drank all through high school. I drank all through college. I drank, I think, into the very beginning. I, I, I seem to remember I stopped drinking somewhere around like 31, 32 or something like that. I know it was about 17 years ago. That's just kind of the gauge. And I usually can think about it based on like who I was dating at the time <laughs> and whether or not it was a problem that I was drinking or not drinking. Um, one of the other things, too, I often say that I was lucky enough to date a lot of alcoholics. I also grew up in a family where there was a lot of drinking, a lot of drinking. Um, and so I was around alcohol my, my whole life. And, um, and so I was also lucky enough to date a lot of alcoholics. And what I realized is, is that for whatever reason, I was attracted to that. And whether it reminded me of my childhood, whether it, it, it was whatever the thing was, um, it became, and I often say, and uh, Marianne used to say this, and I often say it too, we say it in different ways. But in a way, it's like, it doesn't matter where your trauma came from. It doesn't matter where your addiction came from. It doesn't matter where your issues or your buttons or whatever came from. They're yours now. So you better deal with them. <laughs> so I was choosing to date people who drank a lot and had drinking problems. And um, I decided to get honest with myself around that. So I started going to Al-Anon. And for those of you who don't know, Al-Anon is basically for friends and family members of people who have um, addiction to alcohol. And so um, I learned a lot. And what I mostly learned about in Al-Anon was myself and why I was choosing these things, why I was doing these things, um, choosing these people to be with, how I was blaming them for my own unhappiness. Like, right? and, and just like you do in AA, in Alcoholics Anonymous, just like in Al-Anon, just like in AA, you have a sponsor. And my sponsor annoyed the shit out of me because she wouldn't let me get away with anything. And whenever I would try to complain about the guy I was dating who was drinking too much or whatever, or the repercussions of, of his drinking and how I thought it affected me, she would always say, keep the focus on yourself. Keep the focus on yourself. Keep the focus on yourself. And it pissed me off to no end. But it was a really, really, really powerful lesson. And I also went to some AA meetings just so I would kind of understand what happened there. And I got the big blue book and I read it because I was fascinated because to me, um, AA is a spiritual thought system that helps you to kind of break free of um, these, you know, these former choices that are no longer working. And I just really love the 12 steps and I, I really love, so, uh, so I used to do that. And then here's the big one too. I was also a bartender. So I'm just kind of giving you very quickly, as fast as I can, my, my history of drinking. And if you have more personal questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer them at another time. But this is, about, this is about me trying to add value to you. So I don't want to just keep talking about myself. But the last thing that I will say is that I was a bartender. And um, it started to get really weird for me because I was bartending and I was a food server. I was, you know, I was in food service for a long time. I was a bartender and I started to really see the effects of what it was like to what I call poor poison sometimes into the glasses and into the bodies of people who um, had issues, right? So, you know, you'd be at a bar and one of the things is that you would come into a bar and as a new bartender, the older bartenders would kind of say, you know, the, the, I was a rookie. So the veterans would say, oh, this is Jimmy. Jimmy's always here at five. This is what he likes to drink. Da, 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 da. And I'm really good at observing and just kind of noticing what people do or don't do, what they say, how they sit. Like I'm hyper, hyper, hyper aware of what's going on around me and um, what's going on with people. And um, so it became wicked painful for me to see people who clearly, clearly, you could see it by their physical bodies, right? You could see it by their skin, their noses, um, their weight, their body composition. Like you could just see 
their habits, right? People who had drinking problems, you would hear all their stories of woe. Um, and it was just tragic. You know, we'd have to call them cabs every night. Like it was just gross. And it just started feeling gross for me to be participating in slowly killing somebody over a period of time. Do you know what I'm saying? So uh, look, I'm not judging any bartenders either, right? I'm just saying uh, for me, it no longer felt good to do it. I had to get out of the game. I also hated to see uh, young drunk women. Uh, to me, there's nothing like, it just hurts me. It hurts me when I see drunk women, but it really hurts me when I see drunk girls uh, getting sloppy, getting um, unable to stand on their own, speak on their own, because what I know is that you are putting yourself in an incredibly unsafe situation. When you do not have your faculties, when you do not know where you are or how you are or how you got there, you are setting yourself up for just getting yourself in really big trouble. So hopefully, like if you're going to go out with the intention to get shit-faced, like you have some friends, you have at least one person who's gonna stay sober and be responsible because it scares the shit out of me about what I see. And hey, look, I did it. I'm not judging. Like I never drank. I, the thing I will say about this is I always had my faculties about me. I could get shit-faced, but I was never sloppy. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm not judging the sloppiness. I'm just saying I want to encourage people. If anybody who is a little bit younger who is listening to this, um, please just keep yourself safe. And then young men, like young, seeing young dudes at the, like, you know, it's $2 draft night and you're just pouring a shit ton of beers from the tap and just watching these young men become more drunk and more aggressive and more loud and more violent and something. Look, look, sometimes there, uh, I was a happy drunk. So there are people when I drank, like I became happy and boisterous and fun, but that's not the case for everybody, you know? And I think about my sweetie, uh, my sweetie, Chris Lester, he's been sober now for like 29 years. And he said that when he would drink, he would literally turn into, quote unquote, another person. But really what it was, he says, is that it brought out the worst in me. It brought out the deepest, darkest parts of my personality. Um, and so it was still me, but it brought out these parts of myself that I hated. And he had a couple of instances where his body would still be in motion, but he would not be home. Like lights on, but nobody's home. And he would go into like a blackout situation. And he got himself and he said he would sometimes wake up like bloody. And it was just like, oh my God. And he, had he would find out later, oh, he had like crashed through like this glass door or whatever. And so I guess I'm just saying, I, I have a lot of experience with alcohol. And, and so that's the point of view where I'm coming from. I'm not coming from somebody who doesn't know what, what they're talking about when it comes to this. And so here's the thing. While, as I, um, was doing this drinking and stuff like that and bartending. I also, that's when I really got involved with yoga. And um, I, I had been introduced to yoga like when I was 18 and stuff like that, 19, whatever. But I'm, I'm like, this is when I be, became a yoga teacher and I was starting to really live through the philosophy of yoga. I was already a Course in Miracles student. I was already a passage meditation student. And here's what I knew about all of these spiritual practices. I was trying to awaken to my true nature. Like I was trying to wake up to who I really was. Hear that. I was trying to awaken, to enlighten, to wake up to my true nature and to who I truly was as a child of God, as the light of the world, as the love that I am, whatever you want to call it, okay? And one day it just occurred to me, if I'm trying to wake up, why do I keep putting substances, things in my body that put me to sleep, that numb me out, that distract me, that keep me from being present, that keep me from feeling, that keep me from thinking at the highest level of capacity of aligning my mind with God because I was too shit-faced or whatever to know better. And even if you're just sipping a few, like even just one glass of alcohol, right? It alters you. It alters you and not in a good way. So for me, it just said, I'm trying to awaken to my true nature. I have to stop putting things in my body that put me to sleep. It just stopped making sense. And once I decided, I was done. Okay? So I used to drink. Now I don't. That's the Cliff Notes version. Um, but here's what I found so fascinating is when I decided to stop drinking, it just got like how weird other people got around me. I wasn't weird around it. I didn't make some big, bold declaration walking around with a sign or a fucking t-shirt that says, I don't drink anymore. I don't drink. Keep your beer to yourself. I was still totally willing 
to be in bars, to hang out with my friends, to still go to fun things, right? To go to parties. I just didn't have to drink. I felt fully comfortable in my own skin being myself. I never drank because I was uncomfortable. I drank because I thought it was fun. <laughs> when I was much younger, I probably drank to numb my feelings of grief and trauma from my mother being killed. But over time, I was just like, yeah, drinking was fun until it isn't. I'm always like, drinking is fun until it isn't, okay? But I was just amazed at how other people got so uncomfortable by my own choice. And here's the thing that I wanted to say. Um, it's a personal decision. It's just like when I decided to become vegan and I stopped eating meat and I stopped eating dairy products and egg products and I stopped wearing leather and I stopped wearing wool and I just went full in. I like went all in, right? On, on the love of the animals thing. I stopped being a hypocrite for myself. And it was the same thing with booze and cigarettes and all that other shit. When I decided to stop doing it, I did it and it was a personal choice. But here's what often happens, especially if you're hanging around with a group of people who tend to do a particular thing together. So if you're a group of women who, are, who grew up like you were girls and now you're women and you're all still friends or whatever the story is, right? And what you do is you get together over wine and you bitch about your husbands or you get together over wine and you have your book club or we get together and there's always alcohol involved. They will sometimes, groups of people who tend to do things together, um, barbecues, parties, whatever the thing is, when one of you decides to stop playing into what everybody else is doing, you might be doing it for personal reasons for yourself that has nothing to do with them, but sometimes they will take it personally because they will feel like you're not doing this thing because you now deem it unhealthy or bad or whatever, but they're still choosing to do it. And so they often react defensively or with shame or with guilt. I remember when I decided to stop drinking, people would just come up to me and like pull me aside and talk quietly in my ear and they'd say, yeah, you know, I drink too much too. I should probably, I should probably, I got that a lot. I should probably stop too, but not today. Or they would just say, I should probably stop too. And they would get really serious for a minute. And so I started to understand that people took my choice as a uh, commentary on them and it had nothing to do with them so this is just for those of you who are thinking about stopping drinking or have stopped drinking just know that this is something that just might arise and might might bump up against because you are going against the status quo you are going against the grain you are going against what quote unquote everybody else is doing okay so um they will feel often judged by your choice even though that is not at all why you're doing it but it's just how humans are okay um, a lot of times people don't know what to do if you're not drinking. They're not used to just being still and in their own skin and in their own body. It's the same reason why people don't like to meditate or get quiet or be by themselves. Why they always have to turn on the TV or have music or have some sort of stimulation. They have to have some sort of stimulation, right? It's why when people quit smoking cigarettes, they still need to do the nicotine gum or a lot of alcoholics then turn to coffee or sugar or whatever because they're not used to being in the state of vibration where they're just mm, like by themselves, right? So they're like, who am I without booze? Who am I without distraction? Who am I? without numbing? Who am I when I just get beyond my stories and my bullshit of needing an external thing to make me feel whole? Okay. Um, and a lot of times if they feel um, like somehow your choice is personal, they'll then try to inflict their own guilt and shame onto you. They'll try to make you feel what they're feeling because that's what humans do. It's called projection. Right. And so they will say, oh, like KK stopped drinking. That makes me uncomfortable. So now I've got to like vomit it on her and make her uncomfortable or whoever. And I was just really clear about what was mine and what wasn't mine. <laughs> and so um, and uh, I was really happy that I had that clarity because otherwise I could see how easy it would get sucked back in, how easy it would be if there's that peer pressure to get pulled back into um, other people's behaviors. Because if I wasn't afraid to stand in my own truth and stand in a sense of myself and the knowing of myself, um, if I was easily, and I was never a kid, I was a leader. I was a leader. And so um, I'm not saying I never ever followed in my life, but I was mostly a leader. So I wasn't interested in doing what other people wanted me to do. I always jokingly say that I had a problem with authority and I never liked people telling me what to do. And I was actually just joking with my friend who inspired this uh, conversation that we're having right now this past weekend. And we keep jokingly say that we often mutter under our breaths as adults, you're not the boss of me. I still do that. You're not the boss of me. So I wasn't going to let anybody else's weird shit like make me do something I no longer wanted to do. Okay. Let's talk about why people drink. 
personally. Let's talk about why people tend to personally drink. Um, a lot of times it's like a family tradition. You would just, hey, look, if you're an Irish kid, often an Irish Catholic kid or an Italian kid or whatever, you were just raised with like booze being part of the, uh, it just comes with the territory. Let's put it that way. So I was raised in a family where everybody drank. That's just, that was just norm. That was just the norm. It was just normal. And it's really fascinating because uh, in the course of writing my memoir, I came across a book that was entitled um, Ad uh, um, Adult Children, Adult Children of Alcoholics. Uh, so basically, they're kids that grew up in an alcoholic home or had alcoholic experiences, and now they're adults, right? Adult children of alcoholics. And uh, one of the first sentences in one of the chapters said, adult children of alcoholics have no idea what normal is. And I sound, found it like so hysterical. Like I had to call my sister and I, and the way my sister and I like talk to each other is like when one of us calls, the other one will pick up the phone if we pick up and they, we go, we go, hey, fucker. <laughs> like, what do you want? Right? Like one of those things. So she's like, hey, fucker. And I'm like, get this. And I don't even tell her. I go, you have to hear this. And I read the sentence and we were both howling because it's true. So if you grew up in a family where there was a lot of drinking happening, you have no idea what normal is because the behavior in the stuff that was probably going on in your house was not what a lot of your friends might have been experiencing in their homes. I mean, maybe it was if there was a community where a lot of people's uh, parents and people drank. Okay. Number two, a lot of people often drink because they want to be liked, right? They want to fit in. They don't want to feel like an outsider. They don't want to um, be other, quote unquote, other, right? So they want to be part of the collective. They want to be part of the community. Um, they want to avoid ridicule. Uh, I saw kids in high school get peer pressured into drinking left and right because kids were fucking brutal and they would be like, uh, you know, whatever. The thing, all the things that we used to call each other back in the day are no longer politically correct, right? So I can't say them here uh, to make examples, uh, but we were pretty harsh. They were pretty brutal. Now, I wouldn't do it. I'm like, I didn't make anybody drink. Drink or don't drink. It's up to you. I was drinking, like, come along for the party or don't, you know? But um, a lot of times people will drink because they want to avoid the ridicule. Uh, a lot of times people drink because they're trying to um, get rid of um, escape, escapism, the pressure that they feel as a parent or at their job, or maybe their relationship isn't working or their finances aren't working, or uh, they haven't been able to be creative. And they think if I take this drug or do this alcohol, I'll have access to parts of myself that I don't normally have access to. A lot of times people just want to fucking numb out and blow off steam, right? They want to have a good time, quote unquote, good time, uh, with, which if it leads to a hangover, I don't know. I don't know anymore how that's a good time, but maybe some of you could uh, argue back about that. Um, and this is a really big one, you guys. Um, people want to feel uh, more comfortable in their own skin. So if you have like anxiety, if you have social anxiety, social stress, if you don't like, I know so many people who say to me, oh, once I get on the plane, I drink a couple of nips and put myself to sleep. I knock myself out on purpose, right? So people use alcohol to navigate a lot of different things, social situations where they have anxiety, fear, stress, exact, uh, all this other stuff. Sometimes people just want to be rebellious, but this is normally like younger people. Like they grew up in an environment where they were never allowed to drink or whatever, and um, they wanted to push back or fight back. So that's how they rebelled is by getting drunk or drinking alcohol. But here's a really big one, you guys. I think this is fascinating. One of the reasons why a lot of people tend to drink, and there might be more. And if you guys are like, hey, none of these are why I drink. Hey, throw it in the comments. Send me a DM. Like, write to me. Like, let me know. Because I'm always willing to learn. And I always want to see a new perspective. And I always like being a student of the world and people. Um, this is what I find so fascinating is it's like, well, I've earned this. I earned the right to, to drink. It's been a hard day. My kids have been little shits. I'm exhausted. Like I fucking earned this, they say, right? And we do it not just with booze. We do it with food. We do it with shopping. We do it with particular things. And this is what I always find so fascinating is when you think about the things that people often treat themselves with or reward themselves with, and whether it's, um, you know, <laughs> buying something wicked expensive or like, um, and look, sometimes people reward themselves with little things or healthy things. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not doing a big broad stroke here. I'm just saying, here's what I know to be true. We're like, I deserved it. I worked really hard. It's cheat day. I'm going to have the cake or I'm going to have the sugar. I'm going to have the beer. I'm going to have the wine. I'm going to get shit face. I'm going to buy the thing. And a lot of times the things that we quote unquote reward or treat ourselves with actually aren't good for us. <laughs> That's how like fucked up we are. We're like, oh, this is a good idea. I've killed myself at my job and I've done this and this and this and this. I'm going to reward myself with like a Big Mac or I'm going to reward myself with this really high cholesterol fatty thing. 
right? It's just like our concept of what a reward is can sometimes be um, a little fucked up or a little tainted. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, it's, it's helpful sometimes to think about what's another way to reward myself. Maybe it's a massage. Maybe I get to take a nap. Maybe I buy that book I always wanted. Maybe I take that really, that really nice uh, vacation or whatever it is. Like, let's just start to think about all these things. And here's the other thing too, that I often say, if you find that at the end of your day or days that you have to find excuses to reward yourself because life is so hard, then you might want to consider looking at your life and your practices that you do to help navigate your life right? If you're finding yourself constantly overwhelmed or stressed out or not peaceful or unhappy, you might want to start a daily spiritual practice. As a spiritual mentor, just saying, <laughs> I, know, I know from firsthand personal experience, it tends to be really helpful to help navigate life so you don't need these things outside of you to actually find inner peace and happiness and calm or self-love. And um, if, you, if you're consistently in a job or a relationship, a marriage, a, a situation where you're unhappy, uh, it might be time to fucking get a new job or get a new relationship or a new living situation or whatever the thing is. Uh, but it's not usually going to come from out there. It, it requires deep, deep, deep disciplined and devotional work. Um, here's the other thing I want to talk about. So that was why people tend to personally drink, right? But here's the, here's the truth. Spade a spade. Like this is life here. We have been conditioned since we were little kids. We are a culture. We are a drinking culture. We are a society that puts a lot of pressure on you subliminally and not so subliminally, right? We are a culture that forces drinking in good times and booze and beer and wine and whatever, like down your throat. So we don't even realize how conditioned that we are from the time that we're little kids. So I just remember like back in the 70s, and my sweetie pointed this out too. Um, he's like, you remember those commercials? Uh, the weekends were made for Michelob. Weekends were made for Michelob. So we started seeing from the time, those of us who were in our 40s and 50s, we started seeing at a very young age, oh, Weekends are made for Michelob. You're supposed to drink on the weekends. This is just what you do. You bust your hump, especially us blue collar kids, right? I'm not saying white collar kids, your parents didn't work hard. But blue collar kids, you watch your parents bust their hump all weekend. Some of them were drinking during the week, but on the weekends, it was like that was made for Michelob, where you're going to blow off all this steam for all your hard work, right? So it was like, shit, man. And I was an advertising major in college. I understand what marketing and advertising does. I understand that, yes, it can be used for good, right? <laughs> Let the force be with you. It can be used for good, but it can also be used for hardcore manipulation, okay? Um, think about every Bud commercial you've ever seen. It is trying to emotionally manipulate you to feel a particular way, right? So Bud, Bud commercials, or it's always like the draft horses, and oh my God, the horses, and it's community, and look, and it's always like a bonfire, or a party at the beach, or there's a pool party, and there's hot chicks, and everybody's pretty, and everybody's having a good time, and it's like, oh, if you drink Bud, you're going to get the chicks. If you drink Bud, you're going to be um, com uh, included. If you drink Bud Light, or Bud Weiser, or Bud whatever, like, oh yeah, all the booze commercials, right? Think about, oh, just think about like how all the rappers started using like champagne and high-end cognac or whatever it is. And then it was like, oh, all these brands of famous people now also have booze lines, right? Because they know it's like people want a piece of whatever that is, whatever the, whatever the meaning is that they attach to that famous person or that commercial or that experience. You are being played like a puppet, man. You are eating right out of their hands, man. They got your number. And so just me personally, I like to push back a little bit. I like to push back a little bit and not be um, like a little fucking zombie drinking their Kool-Aid. So even like, if you're trying to resist the patriarchy, man, <laughs> don't buy into the bullshit about the drinking, all right? You don't have to do it. Um, we've grown up in a society that has always equated booze equals celebration and fun. Like you can't have a good time if there's not adult beverages on hand, like the libations, like the alcohol has to be pouring, right? It's like, like, like when's the last time you were invited to something and there wasn't alcohol? For me, that's pretty normal. I don't drink, so I don't bring alcohol. I don't like gift alcohol, like it's not my thing. I'd rather bring you food or vegan snacks or flowers or something else, write you a nice card. Um, I'm not gonna, like I don't have to participate in uh, getting people drunk. But we've been conditioned to believe that booze equals celebration and fun and that drinking is a reward um, and that you've earned the right to get shit-faced. In fact, somebody just posted, um, I don't know when it was recently, but I just saw somebody post that they had a really hard day with their kids. And I cannot even tell you how many women responded with, you earned yourself an extra big pour tonight. 
there was like all these little wine glass emojis. And I often jokingly say to people, especially women, um, if you're waiting for wine o'clock to happen every day, um, you might want to check that, right? If you look, you know, on an iPhone, your most commonly used emojis stay at the front of your choice selection. So if you look down and you see that wine glass there, you should be very suspicious if that is one of your most commonly used emojis. And all these women were saying, oh, girl, just give yourself like uh, the whole bottle. Um, yeah, like it, like, like, I, and I was just sitting there like, holy shit, like, why, why are they encouraging this person to like inebriate herself just because she's a mom? Like, like has momming become that fucking hot? Like, and look, don't get me wrong when I say that. I know being a parent, male or female, I know being, you know, by, you know, whatever, don't, what I'm saying, I understand that raising kids is hot. But if your solution to that is you need to pour yourself a glass or a bottle or two of wine every night, you might want to take a look at that truth. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that whole mommy juice thing, I think it's a very dangerous thing that women now use wine to connect, to see something common in each other. Um, and to give each other the pass, right? Oh, you deserved it. You deserve, get the whole bottle, girl. I'm like, what? Right, that just makes me fucking crazy. I'm just gonna come right out and say like, I'm just like, what is happening there? But look, I don't go on other people's um, posts to talk shit to them. Um, so I just see it and I just keep on moving. And I, I just think, it, I, I, yeah, whatever. That's why I'm doing, this is another reason why I'm doing doing this. So I get to, um, get to throw my hat in the ring about my perspective around this. Um, and also like you'll be in situations sometimes, this was a, this was an example. My sweetie said to me that a lot of times, cause he doesn't drink and he'll be at a wedding or an event because he's a musician, he's a professional musician. Right. And, um, he'll be in a situation and somebody will say, uh, you know, when a toast comes up, toast the bride and groom, toast, whatever. And, you know, toast with water. Cause you want to, you want to participate. Right. So you do the thing with water and somebody will say it's bad luck to toast with water. Um, no, it's not. Stop making up stupid rules. And if you're following them, stop following stupid rules, right? I, I don't, that's why there's like bubbly apple cider if you really want to go for it. When I'm at an event, I just toast with water. I don't give a shit. Um, here's what's really fascinating too. People get weird around that, right? I'm going to circle back to that. I remember when I stopped drinking, this is what I found so interesting. And people would say to me, um, do, do you want to drink? And I would just say, no, I'm all set. No, thanks. No, thank you. And it's never enough. They're like, they're like, do you, do you want, do you want, oh, we're making margaritas. Do you want some? No, I'm all set. Uh, do you want some wine? No. Do you want a spritzer? No. Like they just couldn't handle my no. And I noticed this, this is so fascinating. And if you're somebody who has had this happen to you too, uh, double, double AA men hands testify that you understand what I'm about to lay down for you. This has happened to me more times than I can count. And this talks about, this really talks into the subliminal pressure of society and how we're truly a drinking culture. Okay. So I'll just say to them, um, are you all set? Yep. I don't want anything. I'm all set. Don't need anything. Got some water, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And at some point they won't let it go because I never just really start with, I don't drink, right? It's always like, no, I'm all set. Thank you so much. I'm good, whatever. But they'll keep pushing. And finally, I have to say the words, I don't drink. And I cannot tell you how many times people have said to me, are you a friend of Bill's? Which is secret code for, are you an AA? Bill Wilson, the creative, are you a friend of Bill's? I say, well, I think Bill's amazing, but no, technically I'm not a friend of Bill's. They'll say, are you in the program? Nope. And they, it's because, hear this loud and clear, we belong in a culture where they cannot fathom that a person would just choose to not drink, not because I couldn't drink. Like if I could drink, which I can, I don't have an issue with alcohol. I don't have a problem with drinking, right? I just chose not to drink. They're like, they don't get that. It's like, oh, they assume you had to have had a problem that forced you to stop drinking, that it wouldn't just be a personal choice. And that right there was such a huge eye opener to me. First time it happened, I was like, oh, that's curious. Maybe, you know, maybe they have a friend in, in, uh, in 12 step, whatever. Cool. Whatever. It happened again and again and again. And they look at me like, you know, I would often say this, hold on, speaking of drinking, <coughs> I got to chug some water. Hold on. 
Um, sometimes people just can't fathom that you would make a conscious choice not to drink as an adult. Uh, I just don't want to. It doesn't serve me. And here's the thing. They're standing there with booze. So you don't want to go into some soliloquy or some monologue about why some diatribe around why you were trying to wake up and it just put you to sleep so you decided not to do it. Because they're standing there like with the booze in their hand and you're like, dude, just like, just let it go. Like for your own comfort. Like I'm cool having the conversation, but like, can you just let it go? So we are a society that is conditioned to believe that drinking is the norm. Okay. So here's one of the things that comes next after this. When you are a person who decides to stop drinking, how do, how, how do I like navigate social situations? KK, what do I do if I go out with friends and everybody else is drinking but me? Um, how do I respond if people like offer me a drink? So for, first of all, I want to say this. Um, if you're doing a daily spiritual practice, it becomes easy and easier to just stand in the truth of yourself. Okay. So even if you're not though, it's just a little harder to do just on true balls or chutzpah or like confidence or whatever. I always say I'm very confident, but it does not come from me. I'm not relying on my own strength. I'm relying on the strength of something greater than me, right? I'm tapping into the divine source. So, uh, but stand in the truth of yourself, stand in your conviction, stand in your devotion to the decision, the commitment that you made to yourself. Okay. That's number one. Number two, don't let fucking people bully you. Don't let adults twist your arm and try to make you feel weird or guilty because you're not kowtowing to what they want you to do so that they'll feel more comfortable. No, we are all adults. We don't have to put up with peer pressure anymore. We're not in seventh grade, right? You hear what I'm saying? So stand in your truth. Don't let people bully you. And then here's the big thing. Ask yourself, ask yourself, pause, reflect, ask yourself, why am I so afraid to show up fully as myself? What am I really afraid of here? Why am I afraid to be myself around these people who supposedly, uh, whether they're your, um, your friends, your family, your workmates, you're on a business trip, like whatever the thing is, why am I afraid to stand in my truth? Usually the answer is fear, 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 fear of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of um, being other, being left out. All those things we already talked about. Why do people drink? It's a lot of fear, 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 fear is a lot of reasons why people drink. So you, you need to get really clear on that, right? I'm going to go out and I'm going to stand in my truth. And why am I afraid of it so much, right? So really look at that. Um, okay, so you're out and somebody offers you a drink um, or your girlfriends or whoever are like, hey, let's go get shit based. Let's go get some wine. Let's blah, 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 right? So if somebody just offers you a drink, this is the answer. You just go, no, thank you. That's it. That's the answer. No, thank you. And if they push, you say, I'm all set. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm all set. You know, and if they continue to go, then you just go, oh, I don't drink. That's it. Like, that's it. You don't have to fucking explain yourself. No is a complete sentence. You just have to get stronger in your own self, in your own truth. This isn't actually about what other people are doing so much. This is about how you feel about you and how you're showing up. Okay. Somebody keeps bringing it up. You can always like um, um, suggest a different activity. Hey, instead of going to the bar, instead of getting wine, you guys, why don't we go to a movie or why don't we just go to the coffee shop and have some real conversations or why don't we create something together? And I think about this all the time. They're even putting booze in yoga now. There's beer and yoga and alcohol and wine and yoga. And I'm like, what the fuck, people? Like, when did we become so desperate to get the alcohol? You know when? A wicked long time ago. And it's showing up more and more and more and more. And there's not enough people saying no. That's uncool. It's like, it can't just be a painting party. It's got to be like booze and brushes, wine and women. Like what? I'm like, can't you just be women without the wine? Can't you just be creative without the alcohol? Like, what is that about? So I don't go to those things. That's not fun to me. Sitting around with a bunch of people who start to slur their words and get sloppy and their teeth are turning like that purplish color and they're like getting weepy and they're just getting like, I'm just like, dude, nothing is attractive or sexy to me about this. I don't want to do this with you. I want to talk to you when you're in your right mind. It's not saying like at some point, right? If you're going to decide to stop drinking, here's what else is helpful. Enlist other friends for help. Try to find some other sober friends and see if maybe they will support you in making this choice and maybe they want to do some sober activities. 
Um, change the topic. Here's the other thing. Leave the situation. If, if it's that, like, not if you're the sober driver, right? You hear me. Like, not if you are the one who is designated as the safe driver for the night, don't leave. But I'm saying you don't have to stay in a situation where people are being dicks to you. You don't have to stay in a situation where people are bullying you or trying to peer pressure you. Get your ass up and leave. Just say, hey, I'm all set. I'm going home now. Um, if people keep pressuring you to drink, especially if you're a person who has kids or, or, or a job, <laughs> this is helpful. You can say things like, um, I have to get up early. I have to get up early in the morning. Or you can say to somebody, oh, I'm the designated driver tonight. Or you can say, um, oh, um, uh, I have to take care of my kids when I get home. I got to drive the babysitter home. Whatever it is. Just say the thing. Like, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. And I always say this too. If you're going to, let's say, a party and everybody else is drinking, right? I always say, you can still have a fancy cup. It doesn't matter what's in it. Who gives a shit what's actually in the cup? So have a cranberry spritzer, right? Meaning like just do some soda water and cranberry, right? I love to mix juices. I'll have cranberry with a splash of pineapple and orange. Throw a lime in there. Why not? Right? Get fancy, right? You can still have something in your drink. If you're really that self-conscious, this isn't a judgment. I'm being really honest. If you're really that self-conscious, everybody else is walking around with an adult-looking beverage refreshment, then just pour yourself something that looks fruity and fun, and they'll probably leave you alone. There's a thousand ways to navigate this. You can stay and put up with it. You can just say no. You can change the subject. You can ask for help. You can leave. You can say whatever. But the biggest thing is asking yourself, why do I feel like I need all this strategy to navigate these people? Maybe they're not your people anymore, okay? And this is what I say, when that no longer works, when you've tried all the really kind of calm and cool and friendly ways of saying to people, I don't choose this for myself anymore. I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm not judging you. I love you guys, God bless you. But getting shit faced isn't that interesting to me anymore. Going to bars and being loud and spending a gazillion dollars. When I say to people, when people say to me, oh, I can't afford mentoring, I can't afford yoga classes. I can't afford to take that thing. I'm like, if you just looked at your finances and you looked at how much you ate out, how much money you spent on booze, how much you spent on cigarettes, all these things that fucking slowly kill you, you would be amazed at how much money you could find for the things that actually help you and not harm you. I'm just saying people, right? Okay, but when all that doesn't work, if you find yourself consistently surrounded by people who treat you like a dick or weird or of other or different or non-inclusive because you choose not to drink, it might be time to get some new friends. Or it might be time to get used to um, being alone a little more often. And that's not a bad thing. I always jokingly say, as the vegan who doesn't drink, I don't get invited to hardly anything anymore, and I'm perfectly okay with it. <laughs> I love myself. I'm my own best friend. I love hanging out. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have people who love me. I still go to some things, but you know what I'm saying. I get invited to retreats or come to my house. We're having a get-together. There'll be a vegan option, but like, I don't get invited to like go out, to go to concerts, to go to things where everybody, the booze bus, where they hire the bus and everybody's going to get, I just don't get invited to a lot of things within my family and with, outside my family, and I'm totally cool with it. I, I don't care anymore. I've made my peace with it. I've 100% now have come to a place where I'm just like, yeah. Um, and here's what I want to say too. Uh, if you're making a choice for your own health, for your own well-being, for your sobriety, and the people around you don't respect that, if they don't support that, if they don't appreciate that you're trying to better yourself and up-level or whatever you want to call it, um, then maybe they're not your people anymore. Why do you want to be around people that don't love you as you are or accept your choices, your healthy new choices, right? So these are the questions. And I think we're so afraid to make this choice for ourselves sometimes because we're afraid that other people will abandon us. Rejection, abandonment, not fitting in. You're going to be, you know what I'm saying? But we have to as adults like step into what's true for us. And you're going to find this whether you're a parent whether you're creating a course, whether you're an entrepreneur, like at some point you have to start to really trust your spiritual team and the truth that you're being called towards. I just can't say that enough. Um, you have to be willing um, to stand by yourself if you have to and say, this is what I choose.
And um, I fully support you in that. And look, here's the truth. You'll never be alone. Your spiritual team is always with you, but there are other people. There's more and more and more people all the time who are choosing not to partake in alcohol. They're choosing not to drink the poison. They're choosing not to feel like they need to be lubricated to be who they are. It's just another form of a mask that people wear, you guys. And, you know, and here's another thing too, I've always said, um, I always want to be able to take 100% responsibility for what comes out of my mouth and the actions that I take. And I've seen so many people say to me, oh, I only said that or did that because I was drunk. I was like, nope. You got to, I don't care if you were shit faced, you still got a whole, like, like take responsibility for that whole kit and caboodle because you chose to put the alcohol in your mouth and you chose to get shit faced and you just kept going, right? So the choice to drink or not drink is always yours. You're, you're making a decision, especially if you know you have a problem with alcohol that you tend not to stop, right? And that was the thing with my sweetie. He said that. He said he realized that, you know, he was somebody who was shy. He didn't feel comfortable in his own skin. That's when he started drinking because it made him feel more comfortable. It just made him feel more relaxed. It made, he said when he would start to drink, he would get that warm feeling. He said it was like a warm feeling just spread throughout his body. And he said, I don't care if I said a thousand times, I'm just going to have one drink or two. As soon as I felt that warm feeling, all bets were off and he would just keep going. He would literally drink like a case of beer. Like, you know, when he was younger and he was a smaller person, like he was a, you know, little skinny runner. So I just think to myself like, oh my God. And he, he said, it just brought out the parts of myself that were actually the worst. Like I thought it allowed me to be more me, but really all it did is uh, in the beginning, it like let my inhibitions drop down, but ultimately it was my demise. And, you know, my sweetie, um, he didn't go um, to, to, to AA. He just decided to, to quit on his own. Um, and he just said, you know, the biggest fight, the biggest fight that he saw and that he often sees in his friends who have gotten sober and failed many times back and forth. Because um, there's a lot of people who will stop drinking because they realize there's a problem, but then they convince themselves that they can do moderation. And then they find out like, no, that's still too much to like navigate. And like, they really can't do moderation, but they want to be able to. And he said, one of the things that I finally just had to accept is that I was a person who could not drink. And he goes, and there are a lot of people who can. There are a lot of people who can have one glass of wine, and it's not an issue. There are a lot of people who can have one beer, and it's not an issue. I was not one of those people, and I had to stop fighting reality. I had to stop wishing that I was different than I was in that particular way. He said, I had to accept that I was a person who could not drink. And I'll say to him, sweetie, how did you stop drinking? How, how did you, what did you do? And, he, and he'll look at me, and he goes, I stopped drinking. And he said, I go, so like, literally, you just didn't put the drink up to your mouth. You didn't put it. He goes, literally, I just made a choice to stop drinking. And he still went into bars. He was a professional musician, you guys. He had to go into bars to play. This is a guy that decided to go sober after many years of drinking in a very destructive way. And he was like, this has to stop. He still hung out with his friends. He still went into bars. But he just finally stopped fighting the truth that he was a person who couldn't drink. And I found that that was really, really, really helpful. Um, so here's the, the last piece of this is like you have to once and for all when it comes to, to wine or booze, because here's the, here's a sne sneaky and tricky thing about wine in particular. I'm going to do a little caveat, a little side by here. I think something happened in the last however many years where people were like, well, it's not like I'm a drunk. Like, you know, like, like I, when we were kids, we'd be like, oh, they're a wino, they're a bum, like they're a bum on the street with like a bag of cheap wine, right? And so there's this, this idea like that wine now for some reason is like the magical fruit drink. It's like there's no negative connotation. I think people have somehow in their minds justified or written a new story around the fact that wine is harmless and wine isn't really alcohol. And, and I'm just like, um, I know a lot of winos. I know a lot of women, especially who are drinking a little too much of the vino. You know what I'm saying? And so here's one of the things we have to do is we have to get wicked honest with ourselves around some of these topics, which if you're somebody who currently drinks, Get really honest with yourself. And you might just deduct, like, this really isn't a problem. You might be that person that can, like my friend this weekend, she can have one glass of wine and then she won't have another one for like a month or two or whatever. It's just something in her culture, Italian kids she grew up with, her family enjoyed a little wine with a meal and that's it. It's no big deal. It's not a problem for her. Like me, alcohol was not a problem for me, right? Uh, I did a lot of it, but then, <laughs> then I chose, uh, this doesn't make sense anymore. All right, how much do you currently drink and how often? 
if you're one of those moms who's waiting for wine o'clock every night, you've got to take a look at that, you guys. So like how much, how often am I really imbuing beer, alcohol, booze, like hardcore stuff, light core stuff, whatever it is. Um, and just be with this for a minute with this question, if I, or this, this idea. If I were to say to you, um, okay, you, you can't drink for um, the next few months, or you can't drink this weekend, or you can't drink for a year, or I'm going to take alcohol. Let's just imagine I, I had this big power that I could just take alcohol away from you. You know, how, how would you feel? What's your reaction when you, like your honest visceral reaction when, when you hear the words, you can't have wine anymore. You can't have your beer at the end of the day anymore. You can't drink anymore. And if you have a reaction that feels like fear or like panic or anxiety, again, little flair, you might want to, you might want to take a look at that. You also might want to take a look if you're using booze as a way to um, dampen or keep you from, if it's getting in the way, let me say it like this, if it's getting in the way of you having true connections and true intimacy with people, um, if it's getting in the way of your health, uh, I know a lot of people, um, especially, and I'm sensitive to it because I'm a person with, uh, my body has irritable bowel, um, and so I have digestive issues, and alcohol is one of the worst things. Alcohol, especially carbonated alcohol, and super sweet, like it's one of the worst things that like you can put in your body. Um, it's so terrible. So if you're trying to heal your gut health, but you're still drinking, especially a lot of wine, women, ladies, I'm talking to you because I know a lot of women nowadays have, have gut, gut issues, and I'm not saying men do, don't but I'm speaking to you, particularly women right now, if you're trying to heal your gut and you're still pounding wine, then, then you are not in alignment. There's an incongruency there because what you're saying you want and what you're doing, they're not working. Uh, and it's only going to lead to suffering. So that's number thing. If it's getting in the way of your creativity, I just really want to end this whole concept that, that, that artists in order to be successful or to create incredible works of art have to be drunks or have to be inebriated or have to tap into some alternate source, right? I don't believe you have to suffer if you're an artist. I've just never believed that. Uh, maybe I romanticized it back in the day when I was a little bit younger, but I no longer believe that to be true. I think what you have to do is to get really fucking clear, be a really clear conduit or vessel or channel for the divine inspiration, whether you call it the muse, you call it gut instinct, or you call it intuition to come through. I don't think being shit face actually helps that. Um, you just have to ask yourself, um, why do I feel the need to put this in my body? What am I really trying to accomplish with this thing that I'm doing? Like get wicked, 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 wicked. I say, call, I call it like taking a look, a fearless look in the soul mirror and uh, what's staring back with you, what truths are bubbling up that you maybe have been afraid to face or to say, maybe you're afraid to ask for help. And here's the thing, we're at that point of the conversation. If you feel like you need to get help, if you need support, please please, please hear me, especially if you're a blue collar or East Coast New England kid. There is nothing weak about getting help. So many people feel like, oh, it's not really a problem. I don't want to bother people. I don't want to bring this up. I'll be too embarrassed. I'll be ashamed. It's fucking weak if I need help. It is not weak. One of the greatest and most strong things that you could ever do, your strength lies in your vulnerability and being able to say, I took a fearless look. I took a moral inventory, as they say in uh, AA, take a fearless moral inventory, right? Take a look around, How, what are you doing? How are you doing? How are you showing up? Is alcohol in any way, shape or form, is drinking in any way, shape or form getting in the way of your life? And if it is, get help, enlist some friends, right? Find out about where there's an AA meeting. Find, don't poo poo programs that can help you find sobriety. Get some sober friends, read some books, the key message here is there are resources out there. There are people that want to help. There are people that will help. You just have to be brave enough and courageous enough to say, I need help. You have to be willing to admit it to yourself because people will rush to help you. People will support you. And it might not be your current group of friends because like I said, you make a personal choice, but they take it personally. It has nothing to do with them. There comes a time when you have to stand up for and perhaps even fight for your own well-being. Because we were here, we all have an individual curriculum. You have a reason that you're here. You have particular talents, gifts, and whatever that the world needs. And if drinking and stuff is getting in the way of that, it is time to cut the shit. It is time to knock it off. It is time to get really honest with ourselves and to love ourselves enough to choose differently. So that's what I have to say <laughs> about all of that. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. I hope it is helpful in some way. I hope it's valuable. I hope that you feel or see or hear yourself in there like, yes, um, yes, whatever. I recognize that. Yes, I'm going to take a look at that, like whatever. Please know that it is never from judgment. I want you to keep approaching this and talking Talk to your friends about this. Talk to your kids about this. Talk to your partners about this. Talk to the groups of people that you hang out with, your tribe, your people, whatever it is. Talk about this because these kinds of things, I was saying on the episode last week with Marianne that Americans get afraid to talk about food, sex, food, sex, money, politics, and religion. But this is also drugs and booze dependency, codependency, these things can also be really weird um, to talk about because sometimes you're like, I don't want people to think that I'm judging them or I'm casting you know, stones at them or whatever. I used to drink. Yeah, exactly. I can talk about this because I used to drink too. I used to get drunk too. I used to do things too. And, um, and now I don't because it doesn't make sense anymore because I want to show up and do the work that the divine brought me here to do. I want to do the work that God would have me do. I want to be clear-headed and level-headed, and I don't want to wake up. Like, and here's the thing. Alcohol is a depressant. We think we're drinking to feel better, but it makes you feel more depressed, and it suppresses your immune system, and it makes you actually more anxious and unhappy. It is actually not great for you. That's why when we call it poison, I'm not trying to be a dick about it, but there's nothing good really. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you always see those things. One glass of wine is good for your heart health. I don't know. Is it or is it? Eat a bunch of grapes. I don't know what to tell you, right? But this whole thing about like, man, love yourself enough to make choices now that like make sense for you, your family, your creativity, your business, your life, because this is it. You get one. And I want you to just shine, shine, shine so clearly with so much clarity and so much light. You are the light of the world. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Send me a DM, like post on social media, whatever. Let me know how this landed in your heart. And hopefully something that I shared today um, landed in you. And, um, and that's it. Just thank you for listening. I see you. I appreciate you. I celebrate you. I love you. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show (laughs) i super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that i shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours i'd love to hear about it so please tag me on facebook or instagram or ig stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.